This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. On Twelve podcast players. Eleven horrible segues. Ten puns of punning. Nine coleslaws eating. Yeah, it's not funny anymore. Eight lifelines throwing. Seven interviews running. Six people whining. About fees. Five amazing neighbors. Hey, wait a minute, Richie. Five should be just one amazing neighbor. Think you got another typo, man. Four trips to Bavaria. Did we tell you Joe went to Bavaria? Three trips to the Canadian Rockies. Joe told you he came to the Rockies, right? Two trips to Asia. I'm sure Joe told you all the Southeast Asia trips, right? Wow. He's got to stop that. I'm going to barf. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Today, we'll share lessons to make you richer with your rich BFF, TikTok star Vivian Two. In our headlines, we'll shine a light on one piece showing the biggest mistakes Gen Z investors are making. What are they? We'll share. Plus, we'll throw out the lifeline to Stacker Zach, who wants to know whether it's more beneficial to pay off his car or put that money toward investments. And then I'll share some valuable trivia. And now two guys who spend all day watching our TikTok channel, it's Joe. Oh, and oh, J-J-J-J-G. That's right, Stackers. If you didn't know, we joined the fray for the last uh, couple months. Uh, Kate Yunkin and I have been on TikTok every day. And you know what, OG? We haven't even asked you to dance yet. We've had some videos with you uh, giving your sage advice, but not yet dancing. You ready to start doing that next week, maybe? So I'm TikTok famous. You are TikTok famous. Well, again, yes. All I think 350 people have discovered us there so far. So Rome wasn't built in a day, bro. Both of our TikTok fans love us. Speaking of TikTok, OG, we got a we got a great show. You ever watch the Year Rich BFF videos? You don't. You're not online at all. I'm asking the wrong. You guy. got halfway through the question. You're like, what am I doing? I'm wasting I my know. breath here. <laughs> I watch airplane videos on YouTube. Well, you're about to meet Vivian too, OG, who is, uh, I talked about how uh, Jamila on Monday is a force of nature. Vivian, the same energy. Last week, we taught you leadership. This week, we're helping you get rich with your rich BFF, which is, uh, she's got a phenomenal story, but that I think is one that a lot of our stackers can mimic. But speaking of rich BFF, we've got probably here 
a tool that will make you really rich. Listen to this. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. That might be the best ad spot beginning like lead in I've ever done. What do you guys think? All I heard was you say something about Doug being a tool. Well, that was that was during that was during the ad break. Uh, no, it was about being rich. Well, if that didn't make you rich, which it probably did, we, we got to give you an alternate. How about this one? Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now... Because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. How about that one, OG? Can't think very much. I'm high on Dayquil and Earl Grey tea. <laughs> what a concoction. Oh, geez, kind of here. Doug is here. Vivian, too, waiting upstairs. We've got a headline, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our headline today comes to us from MarketWatch. Came out last Wednesday. Uh, Barbara Kohlmeyer wrote this. Crypto, equity options, and more rookie mistakes by millennial and Gen Z investors. Crypto crapo. <laughs> That's right. Barbara writes, what are young investors getting wrong these days? Our call of the day, she wrote from co-founder data provider, data track, Jessica Rabe flagged seven rookie investing mistakes. And Rabe says, well, just 29, uh, Rabe has already spent a decade writing about and analyzing capital markets. So here is, uh, Jessica Rabe's top ones. Number one, OG on the list, trying to pick single stocks. Yes. <laughs> Agree. Next. <laughs> yes, that. <laughs> the Dayquil says correct. <laughs> Agree, bad. 
Concur. <laughs> I was going to say, when you talk about individual stocks, you have to be right twice. And that's too hard. It's hard to be right once. I can be right twice. I remember talking to uh, a guy that wrote a series of books that I just absolutely love. The Stock Market Wizard series. Jack Schwager. Jack, by the way, was on the show talking about this. We'll link to him when he's there. He talks about, oh, gee, some of these wizards that have beaten the S&P over time. And yet when I asked Jack, hey, is this stuff most people can can uh, emulate and do the same? His answer, the dude that wrote these books was, yeah, don't even try. Don't even try. The amount of time these people spend versus the marginal upside many of them get might not be congruent. Sounds like he's good at writing the books, not just good at selling the books. <laughs> I got to tell you, Jack, we got to have Jack back on because uh, just hearing the stories about what these people do, these are some crazy in investment strategies they use that that historically have worked. What's funny is they work until they don't, right? I mean, they work, they work, they work, and then that algorithm goes away and now it doesn't work anymore. Second, treating investing like gambling. This is, I'm not hearing as much from the Robinhood camp as I did a couple of years ago, OG, but that's a that's still a big one with young investors. And the major problem with this is you don't get to see the value of staying the course and compounding until the very end. You know, it's like it's like you put money in, you you're fresh out of college or something, and you and you're starting your 401k and you put in your five percent, and at the end of the year, you've got five thousand fifty-two dollars or something. You know, like all that. And at the end of the second year, you have maybe $11,000. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is going to take forever. It's not until those years 20 through 30 or 30 through 40, where you're starting to finally get the momentum going of the value of all of that compounding. And it's very hard to stay motivated with that. And it's very hard to stay the course when it doesn't seem like it's paying off but you just have to trust the math. Yeah. Trust the maths. We had a slightly, I'll say a microcosm, a smaller version of that, not for retirement, but when we were saving for the Finterns college expenses and his brother, I mean, you start. we started saving right when they were born and they get to like freshman year in high school. We're like, oh my God, we're not going to make it. And then all of a sudden in those last four years, part of it's what happened with the market in those four years, but- it really did start to compound on itself and we were fine. But man, the first eight years of that was pretty tough to stay the course and trust. Yeah. Just got to keep the sale out. That's keep right. The keep sale the sale in the out. Wind. I like that. Brian Feraldi, who's been on the show uh, at least twice, uh, Brian talks about buying individual stocks. OG, that's what he does. And he even pointed to a list he made in 2021 of a list of stocks that he thought were stocks that could way outperform. So in other words, if you don't want to invest, which is what Brian recommends people do, if you want to gamble, these are his best gambles. And he just had a Twitter stream recently talking about just how effing badly <laughs> each one of those is done. One of the stocks was, D he picked 10, one was delisted. Nice. And he talks about the S&P 500 this year is up you know, X. But if you bet on some of these little companies and we all know how bad small companies have have uh, fared over that time frame in general. Uh, the average stock OG might have been down twenty five percent. Like at the at the very least, you probably lost twenty five percent of your money with this list that a guy Brian does this all the time. And he's like, "See what gambling gets you? Maybe what gambling gets you gambling results, right?" 
if you're going to go gambling, go gambling. Like that's fun, right? Playing blackjack, sitting at the table for hours at Caesars, drinking, you know, free beer. But betting on Rivian and holding it too long is not like, that's not, you don't get the same high. No, it sucks. Is that fun for you? Do you enjoy that? Like a heater on the roulette wheel. (laughs) Throwing it. Oh, was I looking at you? I didn't even know you were caught in that uh, collateral damage, Doug. I'm just waiting for Doug to double down. Like, lower the cost basis, bro. Go all in. I love a discussion that we had off uh, off mic. I'm going to put that discussion on mic between the two of you. And OG giving Doug the the advice to double down. But Doug, it wasn't to make money. It was so you might break even. Right. That's <laughs> a funny phrase for let's throw good money after bad. <laughs> the- <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Or you break even. <laughs> And the end result was either way, it won't matter. I mean, one, you might break even or you'll just lose more. I mean, hey. (laughs) Number three on that list, thinking you don't have enough to invest. Oh, gee, this is a big one, especially with our younger listeners or heck, even people in their 40s that should be started on retirement. They're like, I haven't started yet because I can only invest a little bit at a time. Man, slide that away. It's the little bit that counts. Next up is only investing in companies you, quote, believe in. The iShares Global Clean Energy ETF, one that I think a lot of us can get behind, down 26, yeah, down 26.5% year to date. Barbara makes a great point here, and Jessica as well, that a lot of these ETFs that are, quote, ones you believe in, the hoops OG they're jumping through and the amount that they are putting into one or two companies that you might not believe in as much as the others, like these companies that don't make great money, they have a great story. It's frustrating if you're trying to do the right thing. I think you have to look at this a couple of different ways. Um, One is to avoid the things that you definitely don't want to participate in. That's probably a lot easier saying like, I don't want to participate in companies that are uh, tobacco manufacturers or whatever. The reality is, is that from a broad base index fund standpoint, it's very hard to remove those, right? You have to, you'd have to basically create your own index fund. And then some of the newer up and coming, let's take energy, for example, a lot of it is subsidized so much by the government to make it kind of a viable source of of interest for people to use and and to get some traction. That's the idea behind it anyway, so that it can be self-sustaining. But from an investing standpoint, you got to kind of wear two different hats there, mm-hmm. right? You may, you may love the fact that this organization or this company is doing it this way and you want to support them. But as an investor, you go, but they're not making any money. And investing is about a return on capital. I like to think about the fact that if we just invest broadly, recognize that there's going to be some areas of the of the market that are going to be investments that you might not otherwise go out and buy on your own, but you know they're just part of that diversification, it's part of the index, it just kind of is what it is. If you do that long enough, you'll have a ton of money, and then you can take the money that you've made and use that to directly contribute to the things that are really important to you, as opposed to trying to do it as you go along with some unproven organizations or unproven capital allocations. Well, and you also find that over time, if companies are doing bad things, that investors catch on to that. Companies then then go out of favor. You get public sentiment against them. That affects the bottom line. They wash out of the S&P. Like the thing I like about S&P 500 investing or broad-based index investing, it's, it's self-cleaning. If a company falls out of favor, it goes bye-bye, and I don't have to be watching the news every day to see what happened with that index. Yeah. I mean, that's basically capitalism. Yeah, right. Next is letting big gains cloud your judgment. 
Uh, Jessica says risk management should also be a priority. I don't think that's the case when it comes to broad-based investing. We should expect gains upon gains upon gains. That should be our goal. But if if I have an individual stock, I mean, you and I, I think we're both in the room when uh, Grant Sabatier was talking about, you know, he had all this money that he made in Amazon. He bought a bunch of Amazon stock. He didn't look at it as if it was a gamble. He invested in it. He knew he was under diversified OG and then he made a bunch of money. I think yeah. sometimes people let big gains cloud everything. And, and, uh, let's say, let's say that you were up as an example, OG on Rivian and you got this big I game. Was. You're like, I, I, sold think, out. I think I could great. make more. And so no. you just hold on too long. Pigs get fed. Hogs get slaughtered. No, I mean the thing with individual stock positions, I think when it comes to, you know, young people investing, this will be largely around their company stock, right? Because you might get some stock options, the employee stock purchase plan. You might have the opportunity to buy stock in your 401k. And if you don't have a plan in place for how you're going to liquidate those shares as they come due, as they're vested, as they have reached different hurdles in terms of exercise ability, you know, if you've got non-qualified options or something like that, it doesn't seem like a big deal when you're 25. We talk to people all the time that, that have worked at the same company for 15 years using Amazon as an example, go, oh my gosh, every year I got a little bit of these stock awards. I didn't really think too much about it. And now I look at my balance sheet and I've got 90% of my net worth is in this one company. That wasn't my intent. But now I have this big problem to get rid of it, or at least yeah. this perceived problem of like, but now I have to write a check for $100,000 to the IRS or you know whatever the tax bill is. Instead of saying, through, you know, this is part of my compensation, I'm going to every year have a plan for keeping this percentage of my portfolio, you know, a reasonable amount of my net worth. The last two that I want to end with, it's great that Vivian Two from uh, TikTok fame is here today because these are two we see often on social media, fear of missing out. Social media is full of young investors making killing on cryptocurrencies during the pandemic. Uh, Barbara writes also. It was also social media that really fed a lot of the uh, GameStop AMC stuff that happened. This fear of missing out. When you see people, OG, on TikTok spewing stuff about, hey, how this is easy and you need to jump in, which is, by the way, the last one on here, options investing. These people on, on TikTok going, oh, buy options and use this company. Like they might have ulterior motives. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, there's going to be people that make money on different things. But you shouldn't believe everything you read on the internet. In fact, Joe, the reason OG isn't on TikTok is because of all of those people who are spewing. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. So he doesn't see any of the spewing. You can only eye roll two so many times before you're like, uh, I'm out. Yeah. And I'm gone. We're going to dive more into these mistakes on our newsletter called the 201. Every Tuesday, Thursday, we release the 201. And now we always release it half an hour before our Instagram live. So you know who's going to be coming up if you want to hop over on Instagram and join our live discussions. We have all kinds of great chats throughout the week. Uh, StackyBenjamins.com slash 201 gets you the, the newsletter, which is always free and always dives deeper into the topics we talk about, not just in our headline, but with our featured guest which we're going to be learning from Vivian too in just a moment. But you know what, guys? I'm going to call an audible. Time for our TikTok Minute. And I know what you're saying. Whoa, 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 Joe. Easy. TikTok Minute's on Monday. Yes, it is. Person I just made up for this uh, discussion. TikTok Minute today is a very special one as we're right in the middle of the holiday season. And uh, I got a great one that has to do with the holidays. OG, oh, you think I'm about to share some brilliance? 
or air quotes brilliance on this very special holiday edition of the TikTok Minute? I think you're going to go some great holiday, some great holiday magic. So yes, it's going to be fantastic. This is definitely holiday magic. This was originally sent to me by uh, Stacker Dustin. Uh, And then I had 50 other people send this to me afterwards. But uh, a little song here, OG, for your holiday enjoyment. Christmas Day, I run downstairs, but it feels like a nightmare. Nothing's the same, I know who to blame. Dave Ramsey ruined Christmas this year. Last year we had all the decorations and the brightest light display in town. This year we had to be more creative. Our tree is just a bush ripped from the ground. I just made a gingerbread house that I can't eat until it's paid off. That's not snow in the yard, it's cut up credit cards. Dave Ramsey ruined Christmas this year. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, that was fabulous. Big thanks to comedian uh, Jaron Myers, not just for uh, giving us permission to play that uh, off of his YouTube channel, but also for creating that genius. Just a bush rip from the yard. Well, isn't that all we're really doing with Christmas trees? When you could cut it yourself, we're just leaving the roots intact. We're taking the easy way out, but that's really just go out in your front yard. That's all you're doing down for your neighbor's yard. So here's the thing. It seems like lately he's catching all kinds of grief. Like in the last three to six months, I'm hearing a lot of people making fun of him because of his extreme cost cutting measures. Is that his whole shtick? Does he have anything else in his bag? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if you're trying to get out of debt, I think the Ramsey plan is a great behavioral way to go. I think the uh, the surround sound is also very helpful of the fact that you know that this has worked for so many different people. I don't know. I don't have any malice in those areas, OG. No, I mean, from a debt payoff standpoint and having a process that I think that a lot of people can follow, I think that's, I think it's great. He just says some weird stuff from time to time that the nerds at the nerdery have issue with. Yes. And rightfully so. But I think you kind of got to be an Uber nerd who understands even what a withdrawal rate is to understand what the hell, what the, where the hell the problem is. Uh, coming up, Vivian two is uh, also making magic on TikTok. She is your rich BFF. She has a monster following on TikTok in the millions of people who have seen her videos. She's somebody that we like on TikTok because her advice is responsible, spot on, and is often entertaining. Vivian coming downstairs, but uh, while she's getting seated at the microphone, Doug, maybe you could share today's trivia question. Sure can, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I've been spending the week pricing my old collectibles so I can put them on eBay over the holiday break. Got tons of cool stuff from baseball cards to autographed pictures of celebrities and a lot of stuff that just says collectible right on. I mean, if it says it, Right there in the package, gotta be in high demand. Am I right? I bet once I sell all of it, I'll have enough money to go on a vacation or maybe even pay off my house. I mean, now that Kiss is officially done touring, you can't get their t-shirts at concerts anymore. I bet all my old concert tees of theirs are worth a fortune, especially the ones with nacho cheese smeared right across the belt. I mean, they're so authentic. It's like you're there. Some people have made a decent living selling stuff on eBay. I know a roadie 
who sold one of Eddie Vedder's dirty socks for eight grand. Oh my God. Yeah. Then, of course, there was uh, the famous grilled cheese sandwich that had the face of the Virgin Mary on it, and that Dorito that looked like the Pope's hat. Wait a minute, don't they all look like the Pope? Anyway, same buyer for both of those. I assume it was a Catholic priest who was planning to lead the tastiest mass of all time. Mm. After finding out about sales like those, it's pretty tempting to buy even more stuff to resell online. Maybe I'll hit some yard sales this weekend. I want to make sure I don't end up buying a bunch of old stuff that isn't worth much yet. So I think I'll bring Joe's mom with me to help me find bargains. She is much, much older than me. So she knows what all the stuff is that they don't make anymore. Plus, whenever I take her out, she offers to buy me lunch. And I let her, you know, because I'm a gentleman. A gentleman. Today's trivia question is, when deciding whether to buy something now or in the future, it's important to factor in the time money and what else i'll be back right after i see how much i can get for this hockey stick signed by wayne gretzky's nephew chad it's got to be pretty rare right i bet he's only signed one and now a word from our sponsors at betterment do you want your money to dream big Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, you know, what I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. Want to say a special shout out to... Uh, My nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Hey there, stackers. I'm sports memorabilia collector and sports memorabilia seller, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Today's trivia question is, when deciding whether to buy something now or in the future, it's important to factor in the time, the money, and what else? The answer, if you know you want to buy something but don't know if it's better to get it now or in the future, it's best to factor in the time, the money, and the value. In financial textbooks, the time value of money is a concept where you decide whether it makes sense to buy something today with your dollars, wait until tomorrow, or not buy it at all. 
The time value of money speaks to how much your dollar will afford you based on the investment you make and the relative value of what you'll do with it, among other factors. And now, as if that isn't enough, here to teach you how to make your best financial life a reality, it's our mentor, Vivian Tu. I'm super happy she's here with us. Our rich BFF, Vivian's here. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so glad we have our matching headphones on. I know, right? I feel like I know you. And this is the first <laughs> time we've ever met, but I've watched so many of your videos. I'm like, it's, it is my rich BFF. What got you started making videos? It was totally an accident. When I left Wall Street, I moved to the tech media world and at BuzzFeed, all of my new friends and colleagues, well, I was just desperate for friendship, by the way. They would ask me like, hey, can you help me rebalance my 401k? Help me pick a good health insurance plan? All of these little tasks. And I would be like, of course, let me help you. Do you want to be my friend? And I would then go forth, help them with this. But it got to the point where so many people were asking that I just couldn't keep up with the demand. So I was like, you know what, you guys, I'm going to just put this on the internet and you can learn a little bit more there. I'll make a TikTok channel just for you. Turns out more people than just like my seven friends at work needed this information. Isn't it wild though? Like, you know, I haven't been a financial planner in a long time, but back when I was Vivian, everybody would preface their question with, this is a stupid question. And everybody's asking the same question. Like we're all asking the same stuff. It's the only question that is stupid is a question that you ask twice, is my opinion. Because you didn't learn it the first time? Because you didn't listen the first time. Ah, yeah. It's okay to ask a clarifying question, a follow-up question. But if you ask the exact same question to the same person for a second time, that drives me up the wall because I'm like, well, I've already spent the time to explain it once. You should take information from that and ask a different one. You know, it's funny, you're a mentor to so many people. And I know reading the introduction to this project that you had great mentorship and you talk about that. You, you come from Wall Street. Tell me about your rich BFF and what her role was in your life. Yeah. When I showed up to the trading desk day one, I looked around and I'm so sorry. There were a bunch of old rich white guys. Sure. <laughs> welcome to Wall Street, right? Yeah. Welcome to Wall Street. And the only other person who looked even slightly out of the norm was luckily my manager, my mentor. And she was a rich, young Asian woman. And for the first time, I could see myself in that world. It felt like I could belong. I deserved to be here because she had made it. It meant that there was a path, some sort of way for me to get there too. She gave me so much life advice as well as money advice. The more traditional stuff like, hey, Vivian, like, are you putting money in your 401k, of course. But also things like, don't get Botox off of Groupon. And <laughs> <laughs> the words discount and sushi don't go together. Correct. And <laughs> she just gave me so many gems of wisdom that I didn't have growing up because my parents were immigrants and they were very much focused on just surviving, getting by, not making waves, not upsetting anybody just making a good living, keeping their head down, working hard. Whereas for the first time, you know, watching her negotiate with someone, watching her voice her concerns when the food at the restaurant we were at that we paid big bucks for didn't come out right, it, it just felt like she deserved and was going to take her place in this world. And it taught me that I could do the same thing. I think that's really cool because – well, you know, over time, so I grew up in a community in West Michigan that was 99% white, 99% mm -hmm. Christian, very homogenous culture. 
And I've learned over time that our differences are what makes us kick ass. And it's so fun to learn people's different experiences. But I think a lot of people come from cultures where it is fairly monochromatic. Yeah. I look at this certified financial planner world and even the CFP board has said for a long time, there's a problem. It's been mostly men. It's been mostly white men. Luckily over the past decade, I've seen a flood of women. That's great, mm -hmm. but we still have a huge problem, Vivian. We've, we have a lot of people of color in the United States. We don't have hardly any CFPs that are people of color. Like I feel like Part of the problem as I read this was just having somebody that looks like you that you can get advice from is a much easier entry into this whole world of money than trying to get, you know, even though I think our differences are kind of what make us great, it makes it so much effing harder for so many people. And I just think that sometimes it's not even about comfort, but it's about actual access and the quality of guidance that someone can provide. So like I'll give myself as an example. I'm comfortable working with, you know, a CFP who might be a white man because I'm a native English speaker. I live a certain lifestyle that is, yeah. frankly, I'm surrounded by a lot of white people. But my parents, when they want to go talk to professionals, whether that's an accountant, a lawyer, anybody, they're like, well, are they Chinese? Can they right. speak Mandarin? Are they going to be able to understand our language barrier? Because English is not their first language. And they want to ask questions about like, hey, if your grandma comes and lives with us, are there things that we can do to optimize the cost of her care? Multi-generational families or multi-generational homes aren't necessarily traditional in American culture. That's something that's very, very, you know, immigrant-y. Yeah. And some CFPs or some lawyers or some accountants who don't deal in that space daily probably can't answer that question as well as someone who's probably gone through it themselves or has seen many examples of it. So I just think having some of those identifiable similarities actually makes people better at those jobs for certain populations. It totally does. There's such a thirst for it. And I wish, I, and I don't know what the answer is, probably Vivian above my pay grade, but I would just love to see this, that people uh, who have those backgrounds getting into the world of certified financial planning. Totally. Totally. I mean, it also has a lot to do with incentivizing and making the barriers of entry to go into those fields easier. Again, when you see an entire industry looks a certain way and you don't look that way, you think maybe I don't belong here. Yeah. But it's important to say, hey, yes, there are some incredible CFPs who are white men. Why don't we have those guys mentor the next generation of young women CFPs, of yeah. people of color CFPs, of yeah. CFPs that identify as part of the LGBTQ community. Like sometimes I think people think when I talk about old rich white guys, it's that I hate old rich white guys. I don't. The vast majority, aside from my you know specific mentor, old rich white guys were the ones who were helping me elevate my career. Like they were the ones calling me rock star at work. They were the ones supporting me. I just think that you have to find the right people who yep. are willing to give, you know, a helping hand to these communities. No, there's, it's great to see the uh, CFP board working on initiatives like that. Yeah. And I think it's way overdue. It is super overdue, but it's exciting to see, even though it's maybe for people not watching our video, I've got my fingers very close together. It's maybe this big, the initiative, <laughs> and it maybe should be this big or this big. 
Yeah, I feel like we're, we're on audio, mostly podcast talking about a fish this big, Vivian. So maybe I'll stop. Let's, <laughs> let's do this. I love this. You talk about how frugal your parents were, how frugal your family was. You know, that makes me go, uh, how frugal was it? So, so tell, tell me a story about growing up about your family. How frugal was your family? Oh my gosh. Oh, the best examples I can think of are just like my mom washing Ziploc bags that had been used. I'm like, that is disgusting, mom. Like it wasn't even like, oh, this Ziploc bag held pretzels. It was like this Ziploc bag held like ground beef. <laughs> and I'm like, that's gross, mom. You're not going to wash that out, mom. Mom, like there's like, we can't get that clean. You know, like always the tub of country crock in our fridge that you would open up and inside would be like, rice. I'm like, why? Or the cookie tin that was in fact a sewing kit. You know, these are very like traditional, like tropey immigrant things, but like it was more so just their perspective on money. Just because my family didn't grow up with a lot of it didn't mean I wasn't a kid. I was still the person who would be like tugging on my mom's sleeve when we were in the grocery store being like, can I get a candy bar? Can I get a bag of chips? And there were times where she would have to look at me and it wasn't just like, no, you can't have that. But it's like, we literally can't afford that. Mm -hmm. I think I knew pretty early on, like, especially when I was younger, that like my family was different. I grew up in a, I would say, upper middle class neighborhood. And we lived in one of the smaller homes. We lived in a townhome, not a standalone single family home. There were people in the neighborhood who drove fancy luxury cars. My parents were Toyota Camry, Toyota Corolla, Honda Accord people. And other people's families, their moms were able to come and be what we called PTA moms because their dads were the breadwinner and that was enough to sustain their family. Whereas for me, both of my parents had to work, not chose to work, had to work for us to make the math happen in our family's personal finances. And that meant they didn't attend my fourth grade play. They weren't always there for the swim meets. My mom actually didn't even attend my high school graduation because she was consulting out in California and couldn't afford to come back because at that time, my family's financial situation had improved quite a bit. But they just needed to save as much money as they could so that they could help me pay for college. So to have your parents miss out on some of those major milestones and moments and things that you as a young kid thought were so consequential and important, it sucks. That's the thing that I want to make sure that my kids never, ever miss out on. It's not being able to buy them the newest gift or you know have them have their fancy tricked out bedroom. It's about not missing soccer practices. It's about taking them to ballet recitals. It's making sure that they get to go to art class and I'm there cheering them on or whatever. It's it's about that time spent because my parents had a very big shortage of time. And a lot of this you write is about flipping your thought process yeah. and really changing your whole thoughts and your expectations you start off with a great, I love board games where, you know, it's December. It's the time when you play board games, right? You get together with your family. Everybody gets mad at each other because of Monopoly <laughs> and Monopoly, a Monopoly game. Really, I find Vivian, your story about Monopoly does a great job of setting this up. So let's talk about how rich people think differently. 
and your Monopoly story, you're on a vacation with, to the Hamptons. That sounds like it. What a yeah. dump, by the way. What a dump. We were staying at the guy who won that Monopoly night, uh, his parents' rental home for the summer. It wasn't like a fancy luxury thing. Like me and my fiance were sleeping in two separate twin beds. Like it was, <laughs> you know, we were definitely like taking advantage of like his parents' rental. Like it, yeah, it definitely yeah. wasn't anything like super nice, but you know, it was a situation that was pretty eye-opening for me just because like, I hate to say this out loud, but I think I'm pretty smart. I think I'm pretty strategic. I am certainly better at Monopoly than the average player, I would I would think. But we play this Monopoly game and, you know, most of us are above average, smart Monopoly players. We're not making any stupid choices. But one guy had read the entire pamphlet, like the instruction manual that comes with the board. Everybody just takes Vivian and they throw out, right? It goes in the trash. Because you know how to play Monopoly. Yeah, like your babysitter taught you, your dad taught you, your cousin (laughs) taught you when you were like eight. And we all think that that's all there is because that's what we were taught. Obviously, no one read the pamphlet because that looked really boring and nobody wanted to do that. He read the whole pamphlet. What a dork, right? What a loser. Um, (laughs) He's going to hear this and be like, that's so rude. (laughs) But, you know. Just go ahead and call him by name then. Yeah, exactly. I'll I'll like at, you know, tag him. (laughs) But, uh, you know, he owned us because he was doing stuff that we were like, that's literally not allowed. And he was like, by definition, it is in fact allowed. Look at the pamphlet. And we were like, we didn't read the pamphlet. And he's like, yeah, that's your problem. Like I've read it. I know the rules. And now I'm going to play with a strategy that takes into account all of these rules so that I am going to crush all of you at Monopoly. We're friends. Obviously we get into a massive fight. We're like, you didn't tell us this. Like you can't just do that. And he's like, you guys had the exact same opportunity to read this pamphlet as I did. You chose not to do it. And that was a learning lesson for me, not necessarily for Monopoly, because as soon as I found that out, I read the pamphlet and now I have never lost again. <laughs> but well, let me say this. I have read the pamphlet because I am that board game dork. Yeah. And it's funny because you described what he was doing. I still don't know what the hell he was doing. There was a different thing that I have done to win the game that I'll share with everybody. Never upgrade to a hotel, by the way. And I know this is off of don't upgrade because there's only so many houses in the game. <laughs> And if you go to three houses, you can choke the supply of houses. Nobody else can get houses as long as you keep yours. So you choke the supply. Everybody else is furious (laughs) with you because you won't upgrade to a hotel to put the houses back in. But you were talking about some leverage. I got to go back and read because what you were talking about is a whole different level of uh, genius. But anyway, this is a big point about how. You know, there's this guy, John Hope Bryant, and this echoes, John Hope Bryant's one of my favorite guests, second favorite guest to you, Vivian. (laughs) He talks about how some people just didn't get the memo. The memo's been there for everybody. And yet, of course, we're born into a certain situation. We've got surround sound that's different. And like your your friends say with Monopoly, it's out there. You just don't have the same access to it Mm -hmm. uh, initially like everybody else has. You know, I like that phrase, like you didn't get the memo. It's like we were all sent the memo, but some of us didn't have Wi-Fi. Some of us don't have access to email. Some of us can't read. And so, sure, the information is out there and available on Google. Like we all, you know, can in theory just go search it up. But like we all start life in a different place. Some people are born on third base. Some people aren't even in the ballpark yet. Depending on that, your ability to access the rules and then actually formulate a strategy are very different. 
it just goes to show that like rich people love talking about money. They pass it down from generation to generation, rich dads to rich sons. But if you don't have a family that already talks about money or a friend group that already talks about money and is constantly trying to level up or discuss what things can be done to optimize, like you just don't have the network of knowledge that you need to really get ahead. And so it's really important to build that financial literacy in yourself sooner rather than later, not just so that you can be smart, but to help level up the people in your life that you care about most too. Let's flip some of those switches. I want to go through, you've got uh, seven kick-ass points about how rich people think differently. Let's just take a second on each of these, if you don't mind, Vivian. First one is you say rich people are lazy. What's one trip that we could use to get a little more lazy and still be better off? Yeah. Um, Rich people are super lazy. They want their bunny to make the money, not their labor. So an easy trick is instead of having a standard savings account, open up a high-yield savings account. You aren't doing anything special. You aren't doing anything different. It's still going to be FDIC insured, but you're going to earn way more interest on the money that's just sitting around waiting to be spent. I love that tip. I mean, you look at just the difference between the top 1% of high yield savings accounts and the average savings account, like average savings account, as we record, this is somewhere around half a percent versus like 5% if you're in the top 1%. Yeah. Like you don't like making 10 times more interest. You want to make 10 times less. (laughs) And you know what? What is that? That's a 15 minute move, maybe 20 minutes. If if you struggle with it, your first time doing this, guys, you know what? It's a half hour move, maybe. Yeah. If you struggle with it. You know what I like too? You talk about your labor, not worrying about your labor making you money. Your money makes you money. It also makes me think, you know, we're in this side hustle culture and people driving for Uber. It's the same reason, Vivian, I think driving for Uber is like a great short-term situation. Yeah. But really building a business is a better long-term solution because if you drive for Uber, you just bought yourself another job. Yeah. And we have to remember that there's a difference between active income and passive income. Like active income is you have to go and do something to make money. So like you sign up for Uber, if you stop driving for them, you stop making money. Whereas if you have an Etsy shop where you sell, you know, your digital prints, you draw the design once but you can sell infinite numbers of those prints. And so it is a little bit more passive. You just have to think about like the scalability of some of these side hustles and potentially second jobs. It's fabulous. I mean, if it's a short-term debt, drive Uber, but if it's totally. longer term, yeah. Number two, you say rich people don't just have higher paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks to be rich or to retire early, they need to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer making multi six figures. Absolutely not. It is about figuring out what is important to you, how much money it's going to take to get there, and then figuring out a plan on how to do it on your income. Sure, it's important to try and maximize your income, but you can do that while being a teacher. Like you've seen the headlines, 30-year-old teachers retire like instantaneously after they hit 30 and they live out of an Airstream. Sure, that is their dream. And you know what they did? They took their income. They tried to minimize, minimize, minimize their needs and wants, maximized all of their savings, investing, debt pay down, any of stuff of that. But that's why two teachers were able to retire at 30. I'm 29. I can't retire next year. It's really about focusing on what you want and how to get there, not just getting a high paying job, because that's not necessarily true. And people who have high paying jobs, if they're spending a ton, They're in the same position as if you make less and spend less. 
I love this point when I was reading it. I like had my hands in the air. I was like, yes, because I think the biggest lie. And when I sucked with money through the nineties, this was my biggest problem. I was living this lie that I thought if I just make a little more money, my life will get better. And it's not about that. It's about exactly Vivian, what you just said. The third one, rich people don't care about impressing you. Mm-hmm. You know, Charlie Munger died a couple of weeks ago as this airs. And he talked about envy and how horrible envy is. Like one of my favorite Charlie Munger quotes was, we spend way too much time looking at other people's stuff and thinking, man, if I was living with their stuff. I'd be happy. Yeah. My line that I love that I always say about my early 20s is that I was buying stuff I didn't need with money I didn't have to impress people I didn't even like. Yeah. I think there's something we imagine when we close our eyes and think of a rich person we imagine them driving a lime green Bugatti and, you know, carrying a Chanel bag and wearing their Gucci loafers and, you know, whatever. But that's not true wealth. That's just an ostentatious show of what rich people, like people think rich people are. It's a dramatization. Rich people are people who don't just want to get rich. They want to stay rich. They invest. They buy assets, not liabilities. They're really, really smart about how they spend their money. And they don't feel the need to constantly emblazon a designer logo on their forehead to try and what? Build clout with you? They would rather go and buy a $300 cashmere sweater that feels great on their skin for them, even if there's no logo and you don't know how much it costs because they have no desire to impress you. What does that do for them? Nothing. It's so funny. I d- I think about like some of the big brands. Like, would you rather, would you rather go to Disney or would you rather own Disney? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think rich people want to impress upon you that you should go to Disney while they buy Disney. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. And listen, there's nothing wrong with wanting to spend money and enjoy your life because you work hard for it. But I do think there's a balance to be had between making smart money decisions and spending your money in a way to live for other people. Spend what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. Make sure there's value and purpose and thought behind all of your purchases, whether it's a good or a service. Don't just do it to try and impress somebody else. I want to go through a couple more of these. Rich people have an abundance mindset. Hmm. And when I read this, I remember switching at a certain point when I went from struggling to being okay, part of that was the mindset that I had to get out of the now culture, Yeah. but I also had to try to catch, I, I had to work on my foundation instead of just doing what was going to be good today. But I got to a point then Vivian, where it wasn't money that my name anymore. It was time. Like all of a sudden I had so many opportunities around me and I realized my mindset had changed from scarcity to abundance. Talk a little bit about that. Cause that was, it's huge and it's not going to be overnight. Yeah. The difference between the two is like with a scarcity mindset, you're always worried about where your next XYZ is coming from. You always think that the other shoe's going to drop. Whereas with an abundance mindset, it's like, you know, there's more where that came from, but it's not enough to just like click your heels and like wish that to happen. Right. Like I, I, people talk about like manifestation and like mindset and stuff like that. I don't mean it in that sense of the word. I mean it in that you are able to change how your decision-making impacts your actual finances. So with a scarcity mindset, it's things like, oh, I shouldn't take that new job because it's risky and I could get laid off because it's at a startup. An abundance mindset is, 
I should take that job because it one pays more. I have an opportunity at equity. And worst case, if the startup shuts down and closes down, at least I'll have amazing experience and my network is still going to be able to help me get another job. Because sometimes when we have opportunities presented to us and we have that scarce mindset and we aren't thinking like, oh, I should invest this money or, oh, I should set this aside for later, we miss those swings at bat and you only get a certain number of swings in a lifetime and you don't want to say no to all of them. I'm thinking about one of your videos that I loved where you're playing, of course, like you do most of your videos, both people and somebody offers a candidate for a job, a hundred thousand dollars. And in your head, you're like a hundred thousand dollars. That's phenomenal. And you go, wait, 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 hold yeah. on. You're only going to get so many at bats. Uh, I love that. I want to end with this one. Cause this was kind of, you know, the role of your mentor at work when you got to wall street, I could hear it in your voice. I could read it in your writing, how important that was. You say rich people share, swap, and scratch each other's back. Like having this network and community, talk about that, building that community for a moment. It is so critically important to surround yourself with the best people possible. I did not get my job in media and tech because I was the most qualified candidate. I got my job in that space, frankly, through networking. I was unhappy once there was a management shift at my my Wall Street trading job. I went and talked to my first manager and I told her, I was like, I'm going to quit this job. I'm so unhappy. You know, my new manager is a racist, sexist piece of oh, And, great. you know, he was just abusing me at work. I told her that and she was like, don't be an idiot. Do not quit your job today. You need to have this until you find your next gig. Do you want to talk to my friend? She worked in our industry and now she's in the tech media world. And I had a call with my mentor's best friend after a couple more rounds of interviews, uh, you know, a sales like meeting, a pitch, whatever. I had the job like four weeks later. And frankly, I did not know what media was, what an impression was, what a view was, how to sell anything, how to price anything, what products there were, nothing. I didn't know anything. But her friend took a flyer on me because I said that I could learn very quickly. My mentor vouched for me and she felt like she could teach me the ropes. And in two years time, I became one of the top sellers of the company. So it's not about what you know. It's about who you know and who's willing to give you a shot. So much more. That all, everything we just talked about, guys, is in chapter one. <laughs> this book is called <laughs> This book is called Rich AF, The Winning Mindset That Will Change Your Life. And, and I think... This might be available in time for the holidays. People can give it to their friends. It is actually coming out December 26th, but your mileage may vary when it comes to shipping times. From what we've heard, some people might be able to get these in time for the holidays. Some people might get them a couple days later. If you are interested in giving these for the holidays, one of the easiest things you can do is write a really thoughtful card and just print out the cover and share like, hey, this is going to be in your mail in the next day, just so that they have something fun to open on the day of. But I really do think that this book is going to help change people's lives. And you'll be perfectly set up for new year, new money, new me. It is a great time for your 2024 money makeover. And by the way, what a great stocking stuffers little thing. Guess what you're getting tomorrow? Yeah. You're getting, you're getting Vivian's book. Vivian, so great spending time with you. Thanks for being our rich BFF. Thank you so much for having me. And you guys can find the book at richaf.me because I wanted to make the website a manifestation. And I'm your rich BFF across all social media. Thank you so much for having me. 
This is Aaron from Colorado Springs, and when I'm not teaching three boys how to patch hockey stick holes in drywall, I'm stacking Benjamins. Hey guys, let's throw out the lifeline to a stacker, help them make better money decisions. If you would like OG to take a dive at your question, head to stackingbenjamins.com slash voicemail. And you know what? Today's lucky stacker is going to get not just OG, but OG hooked up on Dayquil and tea, to use his <laughs> phrase. This if is like OG a, to take a dive. Send him more cold medicine. <laughs> a special edition of OG answers your question. But first, we need a question. Uh, let's let's go with Zach's question. Hey, Zach. Hi, Joe, OG, and Doug. I purchased a car back in 2020 at 72 months, zero percent interest. I have the cash to pay it off now, uh, but I'm wondering if it's beneficial when I'm putting that extra into investments. Um, I appreciate uh, all your feedback and not learning anything. T-shirt size is extra medium, and I would appreciate it so I could post it to the basement. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for the Brian Regan joke, extra medium. We haven't heard that one in a while. And of course you're learning something. Of course you are. Yeah. Where do these people get this? Just tons, tons of learning happening here. But OG, he's got the money sitting there, but it, the loan's at 0%. Where's it going? Assuming that the money's just sitting in your savings account and you're able to earn some interest on your savings account, I don't think I would do it. I think I would keep on making the payments. Yeah, me too. For the 0% deal. Now, if it causes you some sleepless nights, if you're thinking like, uh, I just want to be debt free, or you have other things coming up that require the use of credit, you're going to buy a house and you know you need to make sure your debt to income is really strong or you know qualify for a loan of some kind, then that kind of changes the, the metrics a little bit. But especially nowadays, interest rates are so good on savings and you have such a great rate on your on your car payment, which is zero. I don't see how you would, uh, why it would make sense. I should say to, so if he's to do like, this, unless you've got like a, so if he's like me and he thinks any day he could get fired, then he might want to pay it off just so he knows he's not going to have his car repossessed. But if he doesn't think he's going to get fired, well, no, actually, no, I, I definitely no, wouldn't do it. That then. is doubly the reason to keep the money sitting in cash because he may need the cash. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. That was just my way of getting my own financial advice since I think I'm going to get fired. <laughs> You're going to get fired if you keep interrupting OG. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I thought he was done. <laughs> especially if you have some uncertainty, I think you'd want to have the cash on hand because you can always sell the car, right? You just go sell it and get out from underneath it. But um, yeah, I think in this case, hang on to your cash, keep it in a, in a nice uh, savings account. And if it makes you feel better, just automate the payments. Just have that lump sum of cash that's sitting there. And say, all right, I'm going to automate, you know, this payment for the next, you know, whatever X number of years until it's paid off coming out of this bucket that I could, that at any moment I could jump online and just transfer one lump sum to and be done. So keep you honest. So OG, if he can nudge that interest rate up without risking principal, that might be a decent move. Yeah. I mean, you've got to be making some money on your cash if it's going to sit there. Yep. Yeah. And there you go. You got OG uh, hopped up on Dayquil and, and... Uh, somewhat Earl Grey tea. Is it Earl Grey? Yeah. Congratulations, Zach. And you know what? Mom's friend Gertrude is going to send you a code that will help you pick out your Schmedium shirt. I don't know if he has Schmediums left. He might be running out of those. But uh, Brad at Flying Pork Apparel in Cincinnati, 
makes those for us. You can check out all the different shirts at stackybenjamins.com slash shirts. Time for us to transition to the back porch. And actually, before we do that, if you're not here because you're wondering about just the car and whether you should pay that off or if you should just keep making payments at 0%, if you're worried that you just don't have a great strategy, well, you know what? OG and his team are taking clients. You can meet with them to see what it would be like to have his team in your corner helping you make better decisions in 2024. So to do that, go to stackybenjamins.com slash OG, and that's how you dive into better decision-making. Well, at least a first meeting to see if that's a fit. All right. Time for us to go to the back porch. Doug, I know you've been raring to talk about the back porch. A couple of things. We got a lot of big announcements today, but I don't want to interrupt OG. Is it okay if I just go into this or is there anything that he (laughs) wants to chime in on this and have long pauses and make me think he's done, but I interrupt actually? Passive aggressive much? Good to go. Or just aggressive? Just aggressive. (laughs) Uh, Tomorrow afternoon, evening? What's five o'clock? That's right on the cusp, isn't it? Five o'clock on Instagram Live. And that's Eastern time, Doug. So it would be afternoon in Los Angeles. Wherever you are, what do you think five o'clock is? Is five o'clock evening? Or, I mean, a lot of people are eating dinner. Yeah. You eat dinner in the afternoon? It was, uh, depends on how old, as I get older, the answer is increasingly yes. (laughs) That's that's bedtime. (laughs) Well, on on Instagram live tomorrow, five o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time, pretty big deal. Melissa Washington from Stellarfy is joining us and she's got a huge announcement. I know what the announcement is. It's under embargo. Uh, Doug, you and I know what the announcement is. My NDA precludes me. But when you say it's big, is it big? Huge. Yes. Huge. Yeah. And it's so cool that they're choosing to make that announcement with Stacking Benjamins. It's pretty sweet. And I got to tell you that uh, you're probably thinking, okay, it's a big announcement, big deal. How does this affect me? If you have debt, this this definitely could affect you. Yes. Well, there's a good chance. Pretty high likelihood. Uh, another big thing that's happening tomorrow night, definitely night. This one I don't need to ask questions about. Uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, at 7.30 and 10 o'clock, our favorite writer, Lisa Curry, is filming her stand-up special at the Comedy on State in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, so she is taping for a special that she is angling to get into one of the big streaming services. Knock wood, Netflix, but could be any of them. But that's uh, that would be a great thing to do if you're anywhere within like a six-state radius of Wisconsin. <laughs> just zip on over to Madison. It's always fun just to be in the room and that stuff's being made. Have you ever been in the room when they were, when they were recording? Uh, for a concert, not a comedy, but if yeah. I have been for a concert. It is pretty great. Uh, uh, which band? Oh, uh, man. Who, oh, uh, Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Oh, yeah. I was, I was at the Pontiac Silverdome, the no longer around Pontiac Silverdome and YouTube, YouTube, <laughs> YouTube, <laughs> YouTube was, uh, was filming. They were actually live on the MTV music awards were the same night and they would cue the entire audience. They were going live on the music awards wow. and it was pretty cool. That would have been cool. Yeah. But Lisa Curry, her special way cooler than you two. Are you can right ahead of you two? Yeah. Okay. Right. Speaking of Lisa Curry and funny, you know what? OG remember, remember we had the joke, we joke off the joke competition. I'm sorry, the what? It's been a, it's been a what? Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with competition. <laughs> I don't think we want to talk about the joke off. <laughs> that was a little I think awkward. I remember, yeah. That was a little awkward when that happened. <laughs> yeah. So I told you some jokes. You told me some jokes. I heard a couple just recently, and it made me think, we, we got to do this again, but we got to do this in the nerdiest way possible. Like, we are all just 
math money nerds, let's prove to people that this can be fun. So as an example, oh gee, so this uh, uh, sheepdog comes in and tells the rancher, hey man, I rounded up your 40 sheep. So the rancher goes out, counts the sheep and says, wait a minute, there's only 37. Sheepdog looks at him and goes, yeah, I rounded them up. Nope. It's, oh, come Sticking on. with the agrarian theme, how does a pro mathematician plow his fields? I don't know. With a protractor. <laughs> See? Mm-hmm. That's so good. Hey, Doug, I'm not even gonna talk to OG because there's no way we're gonna we're gonna oh, he's well, look at that than look. usual. Yeah. Michaela's not impressed. Yeah, how about this one? Uh I knew this mathematician once who was so afraid of negative numbers, he would stop at nothing to stay away from them. Come on. <laughs> you guys are just Googling the worst jokes imaginable. Huh? No, those are phenomenal. So send us yours. We're going to do a, we're not going to do a Joe versus OG. Cause you see what you get. You get this, uh, Doug, we got a, we got crickets. Does anybody got crickets? The man is humorless to begin with. There it is. Thanks. OG. Yes. That's what we get. So, uh, instead I think what we'll do is we'll set up uh, some brackets and we'll begin it in maybe mid-January and have it finish uh, where we take joke versus joke and see who wins the joke have championship. Have our basement vote on it or something? Yeah. Yeah. Let's get that going. So send them to me, joe at stackybenjamins.com. Just put joke competition in the subject line and uh, we'll find some big prize to give away. You don't want them to write joke off? <laughs> don't want <laughs> Subject line. (laughs) None of them will get through. They're all going to go to the spam folder. (laughs) I can see somebody looking over there. What what, what are you writing? What are you? Oh no, honey. It's for, for, for comedy. It's comedy. Well, we do think it's comedy. All right. That's Joe at stackybenjamins.com. Right. Joke competition. And I know a bunch of people are going to write joke off now. I know they're totally going to. Uh, that's it for today. Well, Thank you so much. For, Hold on. Oh. I want to share this. We got a great note from Matthew Tarr, who's new to the stacking community, new to our basement group. Welcome, he said Matthew. That, yeah. He said, I've already selected a nice green shirt to start sporting the basement swag around in front of my soon to be jealous. You know what's weird? I didn't think we made the Doug 2024 shirts in green. Huh. Maybe we did, because, I mean, he said he got a... Anyway, uh, he says he looks forward to the active finance discussions with the group. I'm definitely a money nerd, so it looks like I found my people. All the best, Matthew Tarr. It's a pretty nice note. Oh, that is a nice way to finish. You know, uh, Matthew, thanks for joining us, and we're going to give you the stacker salute, which, OG, you know is this. Nerd! Welcome to the party, man. Welcome to the party with the rest of us. On that note, we're stacking a bunch of lessons on this one. Don't learn anything. There's a bunch of to-dos here. Doug, what are our top three? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Vivian, too, and find yourself a great mentor. If it weren't for Vivian's boss who helped her switch careers, we might not have a rich BFF after all. Second, add this to your to-do list. Make yourself a list of criteria that make up how you'll invest before you push the button. Is this a FOMO move? Is it an individual stock trade in a company you love, but that doesn't have great fundamentals? By using that list like a pre-flight checklist, your portfolio will thank you. But what's on my to-do list? Since none of my stuff's selling on eBay, I came up with a way simpler plan. I'm just going to rent a storage unit, throw all my crap in it, never pay the bill, and have it show up on that show Storage Wars. Talk about a win-win, free junk removal, and I get even more famous. 
Thanks to Vivian too for joining us today. You can find her book, Rich AF, The Winning Money Mindset That Will Change Your Life Wherever Books Are Sold. We'll also include links in our show notes. Ah, you know where. Just go over to stackingbenjamins.com and head to the show notes and you'll get all the good stuff. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lisa Curry, who's also the host of the Long Story Long podcast, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Wonder how beautiful we all are? Of course, you'll never know if you don't check out our YouTube version of this show, engineered by Tina Eichenberg. Then you'll see once and for all that I'm the best thing going for this podcast. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Youngkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. Say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. This place reminds me of Santa's workshop. Except it smells like mushrooms and everyone looks like they want to hurt me. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is... Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.